And I, I was scared. I was scared half of that, and I said, I, I want to go. I need to go now. This episode of Wildlife Podcast contains adult themes and subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Naivete, the quality of being naive, lack of experience, wisdom, or judgment. This is a term that is typically associated with someone who has been taken advantage of, who has let their good nature and confidence in those around them blind their judgment. A particularly harsh definition of someone who, left to their own devices, typically do no harm to those around them other than some perceived offbeat tendencies. For people defined as naive, there is typically a defining moment in their life that the veneer of hopelessness and ignorance towards the hardship of life is stolen from them, either by a group or individual, or an opportunist. Someone who has preyed on the naivete of an individual to pursue their own selfish needs, no matter the cost, or harm they inflict on an innocent person. Because in a society where everyone is out for themselves, we do not truly value the innocence of being hopeful or trusting. We cast blame on the person who is least at fault in this situation. If they didn't do X, they wouldn't have been in that situation. Or they shouldn't have been so trusting. It's easy to direct judgment towards someone and their situation when you are not directly involved. And because it takes so little effort, most of us have let that become our default reaction towards those that find themselves in these situations. Maybe we all have a little bit of an opportunist inside of ourselves as well. To poke fun or judge someone when they're down. To prove to ourselves that we would never be so naive to be in such a situation. But when society has taught you this event that has happened is your fault, and then you must stay quiet for fear of judgment or shaming, how long will it take you to speak out, to take the pressure of guilt caused by someone else's actions off your conscience, and to break free from the unjust bondage of shame and finally carry on? Everyone you meet has a story. This is Emily's. Uh, my name is Emily. I am from Cary, Illinois. I was originally born in Arlington Heights. I think we moved to Cary when I was two. So I've been in the suburbs of Chicago my entire life. I had like the ideal family growing up. My parents very, very much in love with each other. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom when we were younger, so she was like the room mom and would come hang out with us and do crafts and stuff in, in our classrooms, and everybody knew who she was. Um, very, very beautiful woman, inside and out. Uh, my dad 
just head over heels in love with her and vice versa. Like my dad just walked on water to my mom. So um, my brother and I grew up in that environment. So it was pretty much like that's what we kind of thought everybody was like. So, you know, you go to your friend's house and their mom isn't super excited and bubbly and they're not, you know, joking around with dad like a are your parents okay? Like it was, it was very odd to us to see something that wasn't um, what we typically saw. I was very naive, very naive. Um, you know, my dad raised us very old school. So it was very much the man opens the door, pulls out the chair. If the men are talking, you don't go in there and start interrupting them and you don't nag that was a big thing it was just like an old school way of thinking and that was normal to us to this day i have to get out of that mindset where i will see a female speaking up around a lot of men and i i have to remind myself that it's okay that she's speaking up like it's okay that she's saying what she's saying because for the longest time i would cringe and be like oh my gosh she's gonna be marked as a nag i would majorly try to avoid that and i think that had a tremendous impact on me going and meeting new people especially men because I would I wouldn't want to disappoint and I wouldn't want to irritate them you know if if it was a nice guy then we got along great uh, if if it was kind of a an asshole I would try to be patient for some reason and keep giving chances over and over and over again because I didn't want to be I didn't want to be the one that was a nag and I didn't want to be rude or not ladylike I guess would be the way to say it in my mind, I thought at one point in time, me comparing my relationships to my parents' relationship, it just felt impossible. It was absolutely impossible for me to ever get that. So in my mind, it was like, you know what, you're going to have to be a little bit more forgiving because guys aren't going to do A, B, and C like dad does for mom. So I think I started to give a little bit more leeway and as i grew up as i started dating more unfortunately that leeway became more and more and things became became normalized that shouldn't have been normalized you know the way a man talks to you or the way a man treats you i think i got further and further away from what i had originally thought was going to happen and originally wanted to happen um, because I felt like I just had to, I was going to have to settle for something less than. High school was tough. Like, I just wanted to be, I, I wanted that love like that I saw my parents, that I saw every single day from them. And you're in high school, you don't get that. You know, it's like, and that's normal, but nobody ever sat down and said, hey, Em, you're in, you're in high school. Like, this stuff isn't normal in this age. Have fun. Go play. I ended up meeting my high school sweetheart in my sophomore year in high school. He was a gang member that moved from California to to Cary, of all places, um, his his mother sent him to go live with his uncle because she was having some problems with him. We fell in love with each other and, and were inseparable. 
He was so sweet to me, but there were a lot of bad influences that came along with that relationship because of the gang he was in. You know, a lot of things I would see happen or a lot of things I would hear about that weren't the greatest. And he was he was an amazing guy until he wasn't. Um, and then he would cheat. And I think that's when my that's when I first started to to kind of be like, okay, cheating is, is, is an absolute no. Like, that's not okay. And I broke up with him. I was just heartbroken. And then he came back and just loved bombed me. He would draw these beautiful pictures and write, write letters. And I'm so sorry, I made a mistake. And that went on and on for years. I actually moved out to Bloomington Normal to be closer to my brother, thinking I need to get away from this area to just get away from him to start over. College life, all the stories I ever heard was there's two different versions. You go to college, you fall in love, you meet the love of your life, or you go to college and you sleep around. Obviously, I did not meet the love of my life in college. I had a hell of a time. I I partied and, and I had a blast and I had too much fun and I ended up... Um, running into another guy that I grew up with out here. I had come to visit one of my friends was having a birthday party um, in Chicago. And I had, I ran into somebody from high school in the bar and it was just like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing here? And we reconnected and, and that mindset that I had was, Oh, this, this has to be meant to be like, what else would it be? The next thing you know, I'm moving back to Carrie because I want to be with this guy. He started not coming home, not returning my phone calls very quickly. And I ended up finding, uh, it was very, very odd. I had a, a dream that, that I looked through his phone and I found something and I woke up from the dream and he had already gone to work. And I saw, and I don't do this. Like, I am not that girl that, like, grabs somebody's phone and looks through it. But it was like, you just had this crazy dream. Like, I, I have to, is this phone here? Like, there has to be a sign. And I, um, I found his phone. And I had, unfortunately, we had just gotten new phones together under my plan. So his old phone was sitting out on the counter. And I was like, oh, it's his old phone. And I started looking through it and I had I saw that he was talking to another woman. So I just uprooted my entire life to think that maybe I could make this work. No, clearly that wasn't the case. So I ended up moving back in with my parents in my mid-20s and starting over, which was very humbling and humiliating and I didn't date for a, for a while after that. You know, I thought it's time to take a break and it's it's time to just kind of reset and figure out what you want to do. I started going out with my girlfriends, you know, and it was just like girls night, you know, you go to the club, you go out and have a great time. And one specific night I ended up going out with a couple of my girlfriends to a club in the city. And we ended up running into some guys. And, and you know, I really wasn't super interested because of all the shit that I had been through. It was just kind of like we were just having fun, you know, not a big deal. One of the guys in the group was extremely good looking and he asked me for my number. We switched numbers and he seemed super nice. He was 
he seemed like a great guy. The only time that we hung out, he took me over to his buddy's house and it was just a room full of dudes playing video games, uneventful. It was kind of like, okay, well, this is really stupid, you know, but maybe he just wants me to see what, what his friends are like. And maybe his friends have to kind of get to know me before anything, you know, it was just, I honestly was so naive and did not know. And I still kind of don't like what's supposed to happen. If something's not okay and makes you uncomfortable, then it's not fucking okay. And walk away, leave. He wanted me to meet his best friend. So it was maybe like the next weekend. He asked me to meet his his best friend and his best friend's fiance. And I was like, absolutely, you know, that's cool. He said we were going to go out to dinner, the four of us. Uh, we set up a time. He came to pick me up. Um, so he came to my parents' house, picked me up at my parents' house. And we drove out to the city. It looked like an apartment complex and it had like the metal stairs. His buddy opens the door and he goes, hey guys, there's been a change of plans. We just kind of want to chill inside. We're not going to go out to dinner anymore. Do you mind if we just order in and have drinks here? So I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like that's not a big deal at all. I didn't think twice about that. As soon as I walked in, there was a kitchen, the kitchen table. I remember the kitchen table was round. You walk in a little bit further to the left. There was the living room area. We all sat down on the couch in the living room. Um, and they're like, you know, do you want anything to drink? We have, they made screwdrivers. They came back and I didn't think anything was wrong. It was very natural to me to be hanging out with friends. That's what my friends, friends and I do. We sit around and we have drinks and we order food. Like it was, didn't give it a second thought. I started drinking my drink and I, I can't tell you how, how long before I realized something was wrong, but I started to get dizzy and started to feel like nauseous and I thought huh that's odd I go can I use your bathroom holy shit did he put something in my drink but then the other side of me was like no Emily like you're just unlucky and you're getting fucking sick come on stop thinking that way like get out of your head and I think that's another thing like you know I just never really followed my gut. I'm trying to make myself throw up at this point because I'm feeling super sick. I don't feel well. I'm not able to throw up. I'm getting super dizzy. And all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. And I'm like trying to sound as normal as I possibly can. And I'm like, yeah. And it's the girl, it's the fiance. And she's like, you know, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. Can I come in? You know, no, I'm really, I really don't feel well right now. Just give me a couple minutes because I really have to pee and this is the only bathroom. Can you just lean over the bathtub and I'll use the bathroom? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, fine. You know, I let this girl in. What's the harm of letting this girl in, right? Like, I'm thinking it's a girl. I don't have to worry about this. I, I'm leaning over the bathtub and I'm... I mean, it's getting worse and worse and it's quickly, it's happening quickly. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go. And she's, she's rubbing my back. She's oh, it's okay. It's okay, sweetie. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. And the more she said that, the more scared I got. And, and I knew it wasn't going to be okay because clearly I'm fucking sick and she knows something. Um, and I, I was scared. I was scared half to death. And I said, I, I want to go. I need to go now. I, I need to go now. And I am stood up. I got super dizzy. I was trying to walk through the door. I'm running into 
the door. Like I, I cannot walk straight. Um, all of a sudden the guy comes around the corner and he goes, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't feel good. I want to go home right now. And he's like, get your shit together. You're fucking, you're fucking fine. Like he starts giving me shit, starts yelling at me. His best friend's like, dude, you know, just, you don't have to scream at her. Calm down. She wants to go home. It's okay. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, I don't know who did this to me. I don't know if they all know what's going on. I don't know if it's him specifically or maybe it's the other one. Like, I don't know who I can trust, who I can't trust. I remember walking towards the front door to leave and I'm standing outside. The guy that brought me there stands in front of me and he's like, get your fucking shit together. And he just smacks me across the face. I was so taken back and like shocked. I've never been hit before by a man. I was confused, didn't understand what was happening. Why am I irritating him? when I'm the one that doesn't feel right. And, it, and that just goes to show you like how naive I was. Like, what am I doing wrong? And I wasn't doing anything wrong. They did something to me. I had every right to scream. I started to get louder. I was scared. I was fucking scared half to death. The guy kept screaming at me to, to walk, walk. And I could, I can't walk, I could not walk. His best friend picked me up and walked me down the metal stairs. And I remember him standing me up and I, I remember looking across the street and seeing the busy street and we had, to, we had to cross the street to get to the car. And I remember thinking, how in the hell am I gonna make it across the street? Oh my gosh. And both of the guys were on each side of me. They walked me over, put me in the car and that's the last thing I remember. I have no idea what happened to me. I don't know if he took me anywhere else. I don't know if he raped me. I have I have no idea what happened to me. I I woke up. I was about 20 minutes from my house and I woke up in the car and the car we're driving. So he's he's driving me back and I recognize where we are and I remember hearing like a clink 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 as I'm coming to and I I look over and he's got, he's driving, he's got his pants down and he's jacking himself off with my hand. And then I started freaking out. Even the rest of the ride home is fuzzy. I remember, I remember that. I remember being upset and I remember him dropping me off and that was it. I went home. I was terrified to say anything to anybody because I felt like it was my fault. I felt like I had made bad decisions and I was too trusting. It didn't even occur to me to report him or go get checked for rape. It didn't even cross my mind because that's just how naive I was. Like it was just very, well, that happened, you know, like now what? I never told my parents. I thought that they would be so disappointed in me and I didn't want to disappoint them. The biggest regret of my life is not saying anything because we were, what, 21? He did that to me. What the fuck else has he done since? And that more than anything just terrifies me because 
because I didn't speak up, there could be a lot of girls that have been through much, much worse at this point. I would just, I would just say, it's just so important not to compare what you, what you grew up with to what you want or what you don't want even. I mean, there's people that probably have had terrible, terrible childhoods, but I just, my number one now is just to make sure you love yourself. And I'm always trying to stay positive. And I think that's been a huge saver for myself because shit can get really bad, but it always, always it eventually ends. And then shit can get really good, you know? <laughs> wildlife podcast is produced hosted and edited by me brandon pennington music sound design and additional editing by dan semen if you or someone you know has a story that you would like to share on the podcast you can reach out to us directly at wildlifepod1 at gmail.com that's wildlife P-O-D, the number one, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to support the show, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, and remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at wild.life.podcast to stay up to date on new episodes, bonus content, or just to send a message and say hi. Hey guys, stick around after this brief sponsor break for a few final thoughts on this week's episode. Hey everyone, thanks for sticking around to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, Emily, for coming on this week and allowing us to share your story. This is the end of season one of Wildlife Podcast, and I just wanted to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to Dan for sticking with me and providing amazing music to accompany all these stories that we've been so honored to share. Thanks to my wife, Amanda, for listening to me talk about the podcast nonstop and checking in with me mentally while working through these super heavy stories. Thank you to our guests who have entrusted Dan and I with sharing those stories of some of the most vulnerable parts of your lives. And thank you for listening, sharing the episodes with friends and family. We'll be back with another season in a few months. Until then, please continue to listen reach out to us and share the podcast until next time. Take care.